Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you? Crossing broadcast, Adam Lefko. I am back. Uh, hope everybody is great. We have Kyle Scott, Crossing Broad, and Russell Joy, Joy on Broad. Uh, I'm going to start us off with our newest five-star iTunes review because I agree with it completely from Sports Boy. Love it. Great show, guys. Perfect way to fill an hour commute. When Adam is out, the show's sense of direction is hilarious. I actually listened to the podcast on the plane, and I actually really enjoyed it. I, I Man, there were so many times I wanted to jump in, but you guys are Oh, you did? Each I other. thought you meant Maybe. the commenter. No, no, no. This is actually me, like, talking. I, uh, man, I enjoyed you guys just arguing with each other. It was really great on Wednesday. I liked it. Did you enjoy Russ's Tommy Joseph's play third base take? I'm glad that is the one takeaway that anybody has. It was a very uh, bad take. It was very bad. Yeah, but I also thought that Russ had some good takes. And, like, there were parts where you were, like, telling him to, that wasn't a good point. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to hear Russ more on this. But... Uh, yeah, the Tommy Joseph one was not great, but the Reese the Reese Hoskins stuff was pretty good. I was I liked Russ's takes. Thanks, Adam. Good to oh, okay. Good to, good to have an ally somewhere. But uh, but uh, Eagles game. Oh, by the way, Kyle, he wrote just to piss Kyle off. I will note that I'm a Penn State grad and a St. Joe's basketball fan. Is that like a like a? Does that rub you the wrong way? It does. St. Joe's basketball in general rubs me the wrong way. I, I could deal. Not- I could deal. I don't mind Penn State, but. Oh, because you're a Villanova guy. Yeah, um, just Phil Martelli's a he's a I don't like Phil. Ooh, wow. I don't like Phil. A, a, I, here, um, my my turning point for Phil was they were beating up on Nova at the Palestra uh back when St. Joe's was good and, and Nova was not quite good yet. And Phil is such a small man. Like you could tell his entire year is built around the Villanova game, and it must kill him when he has to go on TV and march and talk about Villanova's success. That I enjoy. But like 10 years ago, he walks by the Villanova student section because St. Joe's is leading at halftime and he's getting jeered and stuff. And he looks up and he, you know, furrows his brow and he gives like a real sarcastic clap to the crowd like, ha, you know, we got you. No college coach does that to an opposing fan base. Jay Wright would never stoop to that level. So after that, Phil was Phil was dead to me. That's... I get it. No, no, like these rivalries run deep. And I think that's the problem when you're a coach that also has to talk in the media is everyone sees your bias all the time and it can be bad. Um, I, le- I sat on a uh, great sports debate panel with him once and I totally pussied out though. I was I, like, I didn't say anything. I didn't challenge him. I just, mm. I just. Let's have a, mo- a moment of silence for Kyle's dignity, Joel Embiid's knee and the entire health of every player in Philadelphia. Russ just coming in with a moment of silence just out of left field. All right, we have to get using Eagles. it early. Yeah, using it really early. Uh, Eagles well, game last night took on Buffalo. Russ, what was the final score? Oh, I twenty to sixteen. I, I, I know it's awful. Uh, no, no, no. I, I was just joking because final scores of preseason games don't matter. It was um, a good ending. I I want to say that this defense is going to be so fun to watch this year that. When I like I was I got up at like five this morning just to kind of rewatch the first half and and kind of focus on certain guys like Barnett and stuff. And man, they fly. And I we I know that everyone in Philadelphia knows how good Fletcher Cox is. But when you watch him in the first quarter last night, destroy pro ball centers like wood and just like move it. Like there were like three or four plays in a row where he put an offensive lineman in, in, 
their quarterback's lap. And it was just so damn impressive. The offense gave me, like, I, I, it really frustrated me. But that defense, guys, it's going to be great. Like, Jim Schwartz has this thing motoring right now. It was awesome. I'm very impressed. Continue to be impressed with Derek Barnett. He wasn't quite as, uh, you know, I guess dominant last night, but uh, he still looked good. The whole the whole front line it just got a, those first couple of drives was getting so much push back there. And how about Brandon Graham for the second game in a row with just a pop in the backfield of McCoy? Like yeah. he comes. He, that's the second time now he has come out of nowhere, and you just hear two helmets smashing. I mentioned uh, he Brandon looks Graham. Quick. Yeah, I mentioned Brandon Graham to Sims this week, and he looked at me and he goes, "Dude, you need to you need to realize like get over the Earl Thomas draft and realize that you have one of the better all around defensive ends in the NFL." And I I don't hear a lot of people say that about Brandon Graham. I just think well, it he's took kind him a while to come around. around. It has like his first it couple has. years were a little rough. Um, I have a semi hot take, and I know a lot of people are going to say I'm a hater. Um, I need us to kind of slow down on Derek Barnett um, because like I, I just went to philly.com and I see that David Murphy has a whole thing about Derek Barnett deserves a significant role. Now I don't know what his whole article is. I haven't read it. Um, and it's off of the sack in the third quarter. Uh, I am very impressed with Derek Barnett as a, as a role player right now, like a guy that's going to like help stop the run and is like there to like add depth but he should not be playing over Brandon Graham or Vinnie Curry. And I would also say that when I watch him on the field with Chris Long, I find myself going, ooh, that was a good play by Barnett, and then going, oh, shoot, that was Chris Long. Like, just because Chris Long, just he just jumps off the line. It, it kind of goes back to what I said in week one. Derek Burnett's really good, and that power bull rush move. Like, guys, go to Game Pass and watch the highlights again. His move is always straight into the guy, into the tackle. Um, and I, he's going to be really good. Like, I really like Derek Barnett. But I, I just – I don't think that the sack numbers are as impressive when you watch him every play because I just don't see the moves. But I'm, I'm willing to eat crow and say that he's a good player. I just think we need to slow down a little bit. Just I, Eagles fans overall. I do look forward to one of these shows uh, splicing your your current filleting of him with your post-draft take just for – I am looking forward to that day. Oh, yeah. like I could do it today, but I will wait. Well, Adam I'll wait did, till like week four when uh, he's a pro baller. Adam, that, that's – you've kind of gone through the uh, the traditional Philly, Philly mold here, haven't <laughs> you? Like on draft day, you kind of took it a little bit the other way. You went a little bit more negative than, than people tended to. And then you came around. You you really did. You said before that you've kind of become a, a bit of an apologist for, for Eagles moves. You tend to, to try to rationalize their, their moves a little bit. And now you've kind of come back down to earth, the honeymoon period that you had after the first preseason game's over. But but you're still within reason. So that's um You still love good. him. It's, yeah, it's, it's not it's the honeymoon. Like, yeah, it's, it's like first year of first year of, of marriage and deciding yeah. if you're going to merge your bank accounts or not. What it's I'm realizing okay. is the hard thing about draft takes is that um, I, I am so curious about how Jonathan Allen is going to do for Washington and Malik Hooker is going to do for Indianapolis. Because if you're like, that's the thing about the draft that gets lost in context when you look years out is it's the guys that you want, not just the guys that you don't want. And, um, 
I think I think Barnett's going to be. I, I don't have a, a comp for him as an eagle. Like I don't see him being a Hugh Douglas. Like I don't see him being a double digit sack guy every year. Um, but I just. It's funny, like, I saw someone tweet at Matt Miller of Bleacher Report yesterday, like, oh, um, Derek Barnett has more sacks than Miles Garrett. Like, what do you say now? And Matt Miller was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? And it's like, dude, like, if, if you guys watched, if you go to Game Pass and you watch some Browns and you watch Miles Garrett, like, that's a, that's a holy shit player. I don't get a lot of holy shit plays from Derek Barnett. And, and I'm not, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to rain on the parade or anything, but I see holy shit plays from Brandon Graham out there. You know what I mean? Like, I see a few from Vinnie Curry, like Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, like Michael Kendricks had a few of those plays. Rock, can, okay, let's, let's talk about something positive. How special was Ronald Darby, Kyle? What did you um, get from him last night? Like, because someone, uh, most of Philadelphia didn't get to see him at first glance. Could you see how special he is? Yeah, glad you brought him up. I was I was just about to go there with guys. I was ready to fully overreact on. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, he looked fucking that that pick. I mean, not he stuck with the guy. Then the ball was over the other shoulder. He planted, turned it, turned around, caught the ball, and just took the fuck off. Like it looked like he wasn't going to stop. He is so he is scary fast, like super fast. Like I wish that guy would return punts fast. Um it was almost like as if Asante Samuel didn't undercut every route by like 20 yards when he played, <laughs> but like actually stayed with the receiver and then intercepted it. Maybe it's the dreads, but that was that was the first Eagles cornerback that I've really been excited watching pick off a pass. Yeah, it was the first since, time in a long Asante. time that we've had a corner that could play the ball in the air like that, that could just go, I'm going to go up and get this. He jumped a route earlier in the game that I thought he was going to take for a pick six. Yep. Um his ability to just stop on a dime is freaking crazy. And also, it I felt like it impacted Schwartz's play calling because he's so much more confident to go man-to-man. And if, like, the, the one that caused the interception by Michael Kendricks was a Malcolm Jenkins blitz. I don't think Jim Schwartz would be as confident blitzing if he didn't have those corners on the outside. They're starting to also do a little three-safety set. I was wondering if you guys noticed, too, where Corey Graham's getting out there. He's another signing that I'm super excited about. Very solid, gets his head in on there on tackles. Um, but Darby, that was that was special. Kyle, I know your point wasn't done on him. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I, I hope people don't hold – if Darby is successful, I, I know I'm going to get these tweets, and people are going to be like, well, you, you hated the trade, and you're not allowed to like Ronald Darby. And it's like – I've always I've said since you know it happened a week and a half ago or whenever it was like I want I want or I guess a week ago today like he is the perfect guy for the Eagles I doubted what it means for the offensive side and I still do but man he he looked good and it was I can't remember in recent memory just again preseason couple of drives but I can't remember seeing a guy just stick so well with the receiver uh, and jump in both of those routes and not and doing so in a way like you said Russ it wasn't fully reckless like he defended the route until the ball was at its apex and he's like nope I can actually go get that one and uh, I guess I saw some people tweeting like hey get used to him dropping balls I guess that's sort of like a thing I think Mike Mayock even mentioned it like he he tends to jump many a route but not always intercept the ball like you're probably going to have a few of those moments this season where you're 
hitting your head because he could have taken one to the house. But I'll take that. I'd rather a guy bobble a potential interception like he did on the first one than, uh, you know, get burnt by 10 yards by Des Bryant. A hundred percent. I think um, the, the defense as a whole was super impressive. Darby was a baller. When you watch that highlight, because it's going to get replayed a million times on Comcast and all that stuff of the interception, when he uh, catches it and then begins to go upfield, I actually call it slow motion speed because it looks like everybody else is in slow motion. And there's a part where everyone starts to turn and he's gone to the point where like I replayed it and showed it to my girlfriend like four times. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, just, just watch how slow everybody looks. And she's like, you're insane. And I was like, I know I am. Uh, but man, so happy to see that. And then, okay, let's go to the other side of that. I thought Alshon, what did you guys think of our first glimpses of Alshon? Two catches on that third drive because those first two drives were dog shit. It was exciting. He looked fine. Like he looked like Alshon supposed to look, I guess. Uh, the first two drives, I, I don't, I think that was the first wide receiver catch, and it was like the, I want to say the second play, the third drive. Um, slightly, slightly concerning. Um, I, I well, I was going to talk about Blunt. I don't know if you want to get there yet. Um, I know last time we were like, hey. You know, Blunt actually didn't look bad. The line just collapsed on him. He actually fought through a couple of tackles and weren't ready to kill him for the first game and can't kill him after five carries, I think it was. But uh, uh, not the not the greatest LeGarrette Blunt showing. And I like I'm sensing Eagles Twitter is is ready to hate him before week one even begins, which is uh, I would say as expected. Um, but I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that because. He he had that DeMarco Murray feel in that they were trying to get him to the outside and uh, the cement blocks were just not picking themselves up. But I know Adam, you you probably uh, you know you probably saw a little deeper than I did. Well, Russ, you go first. What do you want yeah, to say? So the Alshon thing, really quick. Uh, Alshon was just exciting going even across the middle just to see a guy who's reliable catch the ball. I did find it funny that this morning um, it was. Uh, who's Ford? Um, there's an article posted on Philly.com. Bob. At, yeah, Bob Ford. His his headline is Eagles send Carson Wentz back out to find Alshon Jeffrey. Forget Jordan Matthews. As if we're watching a rerun of Dawson's Creek or something like that. We need we need like a really good teen angsty kind of headline. Um, it if nothing else, I I for whatever reason have just always kind of associated Alshon as a run-a-go route and catch the ball up over a little cornerback. Seeing him go across the middle is exciting, and and you know what? Like For a guy who's been out of practice, like to, to see them at least hook up for a couple catches was nice. Blunt, yeah, what you said, Kyle, about him being DeMarco Murray, um, even if he's not, Eagles Twitter has already latched on to that, to that comparison, and I think... In order for Blunt to be successful, like I, the only thing I, I don't get is it seems like they are really force-feeding the ball to him with that first-team offense, where I thought it would be more of a committee. And I don't like LeGarrette Blunt on this team as like a three-down back. And I don't part like... of that was no sprawls yeah. was part of yeah, that. Yeah, so let, let's, let's get some information. One... Uh, Jason Peters was out. Lane Johnson was playing left tackle. Matt Tobin was playing right tackle. So the offensive line was a little bit kind of all over the place. We don't have Darren Sproles, 
Pumphrey, I didn't see take any snaps in the beginning of the game back there. Um, you know, Smallwood, we're, I think we're missing a lot. He's not out there either. So it's, it's Clement, who I think is a poor man, Smallwood. Uh, my, my take on Alshon was he's not fast, but man, is he explosive. When he puts that foot in there for that slant, he's already like gone seven yards, um, which I thought was awesome. I really, really, really don't like the play calling. Um, the third drive that ended with the LeGarrette fumble, uh, I thought was great. And surprise, surprise, it's because they went no huddle. I think no huddle was Carson Wentz's best friend last season. I know that's how he got going in the Browns game. That's how he got going in the Bears game. Remember that first drive for the Bears? He he did no huddle, went like 11 plays, and that's when we all went, holy crap, this kid's really good. I think they might need to do that more. And like Kyle, to your point about stretching LeGarrette to the outside, um, they, they ran that play like five times in the first two drives where they pulled two guards off to the left side and Buffalo just downhill attacked it. Zach Ertz continues to get destroyed. I don't blame a lot of those runs on the Garrett because I don't think a lot of running backs would have succeeded there. Um, they didn't call their first play action rollout until the third drive. And for me, it's like you run those stretch run plays to then play action off of them. And they just never do that. Carson Wentz's overthrows are a little bit annoying in the beginning. Now he fixed them later, but um, they, I just feel like they need to get him comfortable where I feel like they're trying to get the running game comfortable. And I'd, I would rather them reverse it. I would rather them set up with some passes early like they did in the first preseason where they're kind of rolling them out against Green Bay and then using that to set up the run. But I also thought LeGarrette Blunt's catch and run for 14 yards was impressive, and I thought he broke a few runs. But I'm I did not I was not watching the game with Twitter last night, so I missed the whole Demarco Murray thing. I just think that um that offensive line is the issue. I wouldn't put that on on the the players behind them right now. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm not ready to yet. All good points, all fair points. I agree on the catch and run. Uh, now, granted, he did fumble the second catch right after he caught it. Um, but yeah, like. People saw him in open space for a minute, and, you're, and they're like, "Oh wow! Like this guy, this guy's quick." And this goes. I think Sealski actually wrote an article about this the other day, and we've talked about this before. He's really not the bruiser back that everyone thinks he is. So I think when he those moments where he does get open in space, people are going to be pleasantly surprised to see that he's he's actually fairly athletic for a guy his size. And on the one run that he did cross the line of scrimmage, I think it was right after the catch. I think he got like seven or eight yards and there really wasn't much there, but he pushed through a small hole and then he did, this is a, a positive DeMarco Murray trait, his, he did that fall forward for four and a half yards thing, which is which is great for a big back. So um, I'm not like I'm not ready to, to completely pile on him and pull out my I told you so's yet. <clears throat> I'll wait till week three, but I don't have confidence. Like I, I know Doug Peterson said after the game, they weren't really scheming. They don't really prepare I mean, They're just running a very vanilla offense and all teams do that in the preseason and that's fine. But I, you know, I just have no confidence regardless of whether Sproles is there. Peters is in the right spot. The Peterson's um, Doug's going to be able to use him the way he's supposed to be used. And I feel like it's going to become very predictable when LeGarrette Blount is on the field, what they're going to do to him, what they're going to do with him. And it seems like they're, you know, it seems like I know they said this early in the preseason, they want to get him out running routes. And you saw on that second play why 
you know, maybe he isn't the best guy to be receiving the ball in the middle of the field. He didn't get a chance to get it tucked away and he fumbled it. And, you know, he's had like 48 catches in his whole career. So I don't think Doug Peterson is going to be the guy who reinvents LeGarrette Blunt as a receiving running back. And I think it's just going to become really predictable the way he uses him. And, you know, people were saying, well, hey, I saw Brandon Lee Gowton tweeted last night. He's like, uh, he's like, you know, Blunt actually was like the number 10 out of 59 over the last three seasons on running to the outside. That would probably surprise Eagles fans. But two of those seasons, again, are with Bill Belichick and a devastating, you know, Patriots passing attack at times with Tom Brady back there makes it a lot tougher to defend. And I, I just feel like I just feel like if the Eagles are going to be running him outside, it's going to be like that Chip Kelly level thing where the, you have the opposing defense basically calling out the play ahead of time. That That's my concern, more so than the fact that he's, you know, done or banged up from carrying the ball so many times last year. I just think that he, he's a guy who, you if you use him right, great. If not, he's just not good. He's not talented enough to make up for, for, for an uninventive uh, offensive game plan. Kyle, I lost you for a second there, but did were you the one who tweeted last night about um, about Blunt running to the outside with New England, where he was ranked? I, I retweeted, so it this was, was the tweet. It's like 4.92 4. yards per rush on outside rushes. I think last year was like 10th out of 52 running backs, if I remember correctly. 10th out of 59, and that was from Brandon Graham. And I just said it helps me have Bill Belichick drawing up those plays. Oh, and Tom Brady, Edelman, and a passing threat. That was... Well, let me that just do it. a quick correction. Josh McDaniels is drawing up those plays. I don't like – Bill Belichick gets credit for everything. He should not get credit for the offense. Um, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying, and and it gets back to the Philadelphia point, which is, um, is Peterson the guy? And that's something we'll find out this season. Uh, can I tell you one thing that, like, actually really concerned me last night? Um, Lane Johnson is the left tackle of the future, Correct. Uh, not after last night, like, uh, like, dude, like, he got spun out by Jerry Hughes. Those runs to the left, like, granted, like he probably he hasn't been practicing there all off season. He's not used to running that way and blocking that way and all that stuff. But it just he looks stiff, which you can be as a right tackle just because of how the play designs usually go. But that was something just to watch. Because I know that we're all kind of penciling that in, that eventually we move him over there, or maybe Peters moves to left guard or whatever it is. But that was something that I went, okay, I'm not going to use pen on that. I'm going to use very, very washable pencil, just because it, it, it really didn't look good last night. Just an uh, observation. It, yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Sorry, Mike was off. No worries. Um, yeah, so overall, like... Um, the offense, I, I like some of it. Uh, defense, I think, is going to be really special. Like, really, really special. Like, all of your friends are going to overdraft them in your fantasy league type of special, um, which is which is great. But, um, I don't know. It's exciting. The only other, the, the huge storyline that I'm curious if we can go meta on is the Chris Long supporting Malcolm Jenkins, which I want everyone in Philadelphia to be prepared that this is going to be a huge national story. Realize that Chris Long is from Charlottesville, Virginia. Realize that Malcolm Jenkins, it's very visible, his actions and what he's doing. And he's not kneeling, uh, which is it's just big for the discussion. But I'm just curious from a meta discussion. How do you think Philadelphia, like radio discussions and all that, 
will take this being a big topic on a national landscape uh, for however long it takes. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. If Philly radio is gonna take it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Like I'm not. Um, I'm not someone who is. I have no problem with any of the guys kneeling or fisting the like you know if 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 that's the way you think is the best to address the the situation and the problem then by all means go for it you have a platform to do it I'm not like in the completely left wing camp of like all these guys should be kneeling our country is broken I think you know there's some very extreme opinions there but I thought what Chris Long did was cool he didn't try and um, you know he wasn't on a knee which I think would have brought a ton of attention he just put his arm around a teammate being like hey man I got you so I. I personally thought it was cool. I will. I think Philly, for the most part, will think it was cool because we've already identified Long as somebody who is sort of like the, uh, you know, in our in our local Jason Kelsey everyman role that everyone has decided for, for good reason is a cool guy and a good team leader and a talented player and a good veteran and all that stuff. So I think Philly will generally applaud him. Though I, I would expect a couple of horrific phone calls on the matter. I don't expect it to be that bad. Um, you guys had a conversation, like, I think a week ago or something like that, and that was when I was going through, uh, you know, baby emergency in the morning. Um, we we grew up in very different places. Uh, we grew up with very different people, I would assume, around us and a very vastly different world outlook. Um, what Chris Long did, I, th- I think even for people who don't like what... Oh, all right, how do I... I, I got to... I gotta phrase this very carefully. So, I think there are varying degrees to the people who get offended by this stuff. There, there are degrees to it. Kaepernick is is like the is one far extreme. Malcolm Jenkins doing a fist up, I don't think is looked at nearly as negatively. But like there, there are people that that I know or that I went to high school with that I see post this stuff, who hate Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee, who now hate Marshawn Lynch for sitting during the anthem but are at least mostly okay with Malcolm Jenkins putting a fist in the air. Because they're like, all right, well, you're still standing for the, for the national anthem. You're still showing respect to your country by not taking a knee, but you're putting your hand up in the air. Maybe, maybe it should be over your heart is, is kind of like their narrative. Chris Long putting his arm around Jenkins, I think people who are 100% against anything during the anthem are going to be angry. But I think for the most part, the, even the people who might not be the biggest fans of what, what Jenkins is doing will look at that as, that guy's supporting his teammate. He is not actively disrespecting the flag or the anthem, and he's, he's embracing his teammate, and that's okay. I think that the, there, there, there is such a, a large gray area in, in this entire thing that I don't expect the, the reaction of Chris Long to be this vitriolic, uh, like massively polarizing discussion. At least it shouldn't be. Because I don't think it will be either. Because there, there's nothing about that that I, th- I think you could find offensive. Because even if you wanted to, like you, you could go back to, God, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like try to pull up really awful examples of this. But anytime, and you know, like any, anytime that there's any kind of a tragedy or anything in a city, right? Like guys put their arms around each other during during yes. the national anthem like that's okay i think I, that's what's super it. i think what's super great about this is if you look at it from the positive side so the positive side is that no white athlete in the nfl has stood by this movement 
And the fact that that's happening on our team, and and let's say this too, if you haven't heard Chris Long's statements, they're great. Look, he is from a super strict military supportive family. If you see Howie Long's haircut, you know how Chris was raised. Like, it's very simple. And I've met both of them and they're both great people. Also, Malcolm is super smart. Like when I met him and did that whole like, house thing with him I was like man this guy really understands not just what's going on but like he understands the business and how all this works also realize on a league-wide scale what this means for other players viewpoint of playing for the Eagles like let's take it beyond statement and also make it just football a lot more players now are going, I like what's going on in Philadelphia, and that locker room seems really connected. Secondly, realize how much this is going to connect the Eagles locker room. The fact that you actually have a white athlete putting his arm around an athlete that is putting his arm up in protest. This locker room is going to come together really strong. Um, and and I, I think there's a, there's a lot of benefits to that from a team building perspective. Um, I also like that, like like what Russ was saying, when you put the hand in the air, all the kneeling, sitting stuff kind of goes out the way. And it's like it's actually like the, the first, oh, this is actually working out type of situation. I, I think it has a lot of positive effects moving forward. I really do. Yeah, I agree. And I think anyone... Anyone who actually who who will or would have a problem with with long specifically would like you'd pretty much have to chalk it up to whether you know onto being unintentional racism because like there's someone made a point to me yesterday they're like you have these guys like these beer swilling drunken fools in the stands who take such offense to Kaepernick kneeling or whatever. And yet, you know, they're pounding beers during the national anthem, like while the anthem's going on. Yeah, or, or they're yelling, or they're screaming, or they're not taking right. their hats off. It's, it is so ironic. Right. So, like, if for someone to come out, if someone comes out and says, well, you know, I don't like what long, like, what don't you like about? He stood next to a teammate and put his arm on him. Like, you can't, if that was, if that was, Russ, kind of your point, two white guys doing that after a tragedy, you know, embracing because there was an anthem after a local tragedy or something, it would, everyone would applaud it. So, uh, there's really, there really is no way to have a negative take on this and not be like somewhat of a of a bigot in doing so. I do uh, his quotes, we... by the way, I have them here, real quick. Uh, this is from Jeff McLean. Quote uh, from Long: I thought it was important that athletes with my skin color stood up with others protesting for racial equality, and then uh, also Malcolm is a leader, and I'm here to show my support as a white athlete. Okay. Russ, did you? What were you going to say there? That's why I just, Kyle paused. Yeah, um, I don't want this to get like really, really personal or anything, but um, I think we we oftentimes overlook the the rationale behind some people who get upset with with players sitting or kneeling during the anthem. I think if you've you've lost a loved one um, in the military and you view sitting or kneeling as as offensive because you know. We get into that argument about like, is it is it meant to disrespect the people who fought for your for your country, defended your freedoms? Like I think that socially, societally, we we just kind of chalk it up as everybody's a racist if they don't 
support, you know, like the kneel or the sit or the fist in the air. But I think like there there definitely are people who have who have lost people in the war. Like I, I lost a cousin in Afghanistan, and like I I don't necessarily like people kneeling or sitting during the anthem. But I also, to your point, I don't like the guys who are screaming, not taking their hats off, swilling beer while the anthem's going on either. Um, I think we get really lost in that. I think the narrative and and looking at it through one vantage point or through through one lens is kind of where. Um, we really start to lump people into this like category of, of being a racist when when they aren't necessarily like you can you cannot like the fact that somebody sits or kneels during the anthem because you lost somebody in a war. But at the same time, like I think it's it's fair to say at the same time that like you can look at it and say, I get the reason that they're doing it. I just I don't like it from from that one angle. I don't think yeah. that I don't think I was... we give that that part of things enough of a I don't think we give people necessarily that that little bit of a i don't know like they're they're out they we don't give them that that little bit of the benefit of the doubt yeah yeah and i wasn't i wasn't necessarily implying the people who didn't appreciate someone kneeling or sitting because i get that and i think you know you know the quote-unquote liberal media is does like to unearth stories of uh, soldiers or, or veterans saying, hey, I fought for people to do this. It's fine with me. Like, I'm sure there are many people on the other side of the fence, and we do tend to get most of the stories we tend to get are, are about people saying, no, it's fine. Like, I fought for them to do this, and I, I know there are people on both sides of the fence. My point about being, uh, you know, racist or bigoted is was specifically referring to the long thing because it really is – it is difficult to – it checks all of the boxes you just talked about. There's no kneeling. There's no sitting. There's no fi- there's no fist in the air. It It's just, hey, man, I'm with my teammate, and that's cool. I still love this country. And I think a guy like Long doing it, like, like you said, Adam, he comes from a family, the military haircut, the tats. Like he looks like a middle America guy, and I think someone who – who looks like that actually helps more than just insert generic player A. I think, you know, that is part of it too. But Russ, I absolutely to your point, um, someone messaged me after a couple of shows ago. I forget, I think it was this topic we were talking about, uh, or something about Trump. I think Adam was when you brought up the Uber driver, maybe. And someone said, Hey, thanks for not shitting all over the middle of the country. Because I think we all looked at it and said there are there are people here just, you know, grow up differently than most of us do in the Northeast. And Russ, you being from Coal Region or or probably, you know, have one foot into that world. And uh, it's just something a lot of us like don't fully understand. And um, obviously we've seen it a lot this week where wh- where do you draw the line between someone being kind of old school patriotic and racist? And they're like there's a line there. And, um, you know, obviously marching with uh, confederate not nazi flags crosses the line but um you know there are people on that side of the argument who aren't hateful and racist but who just you know view things differently they view the anthem as a source of pride or as a source of hey like yeah my cousin was in the war and this means a lot to me and you know to everyone i guess the anthem has a slightly different meaning and if you're coming at it from one side of the fence it's like i'm celebrating a country that, that doesn't treat me equally and the other side of the fence is like yeah, like I had like to me, this means like family members who have fought and died. And there's a that's a slippery slope. I want to say first, Russ, thank you for your cousin uh, and his service, because I didn't know that about you. And thank you for sharing that Uh, Two, I will say that of all of like the anthem 
like things that are going on, whether they're protests or messages. Uh, I think Malcolm's is definitely the most thought out. Uh, I think whenever I see pictures of sitting or, or kneeling, uh, sometimes there, you see like pictures of disinterested by him standing and raising his hand. He's still next to everybody and he's still, you know, giving the visual uh, of standing for the anthem. I think three, uh, this is the first time that we've seen a, a player not of a person of color actually go up there and validate that. I'm still waiting to see a non Kaepernick quarterback uh, get involved because as we see in the NFL, um, quarterbacks are what move the needle. And just a thought, just for everyone, is um, everyone likes to talk about how ESPN is liberal, right? And they had that fantasy football sketch that went completely wrong, that auction sketch, where you saw them holding up Odell's head, and there was like 40 white people auctioning off after the movie Get Out. There was a very similar scene, and just knowing the history of slave trade, that it went the wrong way. And I always hear people say, why doesn't he just say stuff in the press conferences? I, I just want everyone to think, how often do you watch TV and see interviews with players? And then how often do you actually read the quotes of players in, in like articles? Because there's just not a lot of places where I think they're going to get interviewed or that you're going to see it. Like, if you think about who, like, after the game last night, we go to Comcast Sportsnet, you're going to get a Carson Wentz soundbite. You're going to get, like, a Michael Kendrick soundbite because he had an interception. You're going to get a Darby soundbite. If Malcolm Jenkins would have even stood there after the game and said, before I talk, I'd like to do a very well-balanced discussion about the racial inequalities in America, that's not making air. So, like, that's why when people, like, my dad has said this to me, too. He's like, he's like you know, do you think he could just be more vocal in press conferences? And I go, I, I, you have to know how the media operation works. And it's not media's bias. It's just they have 20 seconds for sound bites in their A block and they can't allocate time to that. Yeah. And, and also think about this. It's the one time in the game where you can see a player's face. The rest of the game, these guys are wearing helmets. They are a faceless, nameless player. That is the t- that is it's crazy how how that's really their only time to try and get anything out there, and I just I think you know you look back and and at we remember the athletes that stand for something, and I I understand all the sides here, and I just uh, I'm really proud that Chris did that because I think it's really cool, and I think it's going to bring this team together, which is great from a team perspective. I th- I think I agree with you on the. Anthem being a platform and a good a good opportunity to do it, and I never thought about it with the face. Good point. Um, I, I would disagree on if he came in there and said, hey, let's have a discussion about racial inequality, and it not. I mean, those are the sorts of things that, if anything, I would say can tend to get blown out of proportion and debated and first taked. Right. Um, can I ask you media. a question? You know, and there's How probably might- a balance there. Yeah, let me ask you a question. This is just a, a litmus test. How many of the uh, Doug Baldwin press conferences have you watched from Seattle? This is not a test. I'm asking legitimately because I consume a lot of national NFL media. Uh, none. So that's what I'm saying. Like Doug Baldwin, most of his press conferences, he goes out there and he talks about it. And most of the time that I watch it, it's not TV broadcast. It's from a cell phone and I can barely hear what he's saying. 
Seattle, that's why I thought Kaepernick to Seattle made so much sense. Because Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, they go up there and they talk all the time. But it's not even making its way to me most of the time. I go on national NFL Reddit. It is never on there. I go on ESPN. It's never on there. NFL. Very rarely it's on Pro Football Talk. Usually it's because I subscribe to like every NFL beat writer in the country. So it's it's just it's not out there now. It would start in Philly because we he hasn't we haven't really seen that. But it's, press conference audio does not spread like. It's very rare that press conferences really go anywhere. Just from uh, yeah, my okay. experience, I mean, I guess I was thinking of Kaepernick because when he talked about it a few times earlier sure, last year, sure. I mean, that was that was fucking everywhere. And I suspect Jenkins would be if if for no other reason than we have seven thousand people covering the Eagles in Philly and are <laughs> actively looking for talking points. So a point well taken. It would definitely be interesting. I now, I, I don't know. I I feel like this this could go down a, a really weird way, but if if now that that Chris Long has has done this uh, public act, this public display of support for his teammate, I'm wondering if that now makes it more attractive to an ESPN to do a feature to have those guys fly up to Bristol or for and like South Antonio to is, sit down. Like that's what but, I was saying is is Philadelphia gonna be ready for these guys becoming national and then our team? You know what I mean? Like that's the that's the I'm looking ahead and I'm going oh this is gonna become a, a big thing now. But see, now I can hear the narrative that, that will come out of uh, dissenting circles that will say the only reason that ESPN cares now is because a white guy put his arm around his, his black teammate who was, you know, had his fist in the air. Because if, if what you're saying about Doug Baldwin is, is true, which it is, you know, he, he doesn't have that white teammate support. So, you know, he, his voice has gotten lost in the fray here. And Malcolm hasn't really... To, to my knowledge, I don't remember Malcolm Jenkins being featured on on too many things about what he's doing. I know that he's he's. There have been a few articles where he's been mentioned for yeah. for doing it on ESPN, and but he, never yeah, a feature. ESPN's and done now some stuff. But now that Chris Long has done this, you know, now it, it seems like it's going to go next level. I just Can, I know that there are cynics in in every circle that are going to look at this a, a certain way. But I do think that that there, if if Philly ends up being the city that that has these guys uh, do it in a tasteful, respectful way, which is what happened last night, you know, I, I think this city can actually become kind of a, a not like a beacon or something, or a shining yeah. light or something. But, like, Philly being the city to do it, I mean, brotherly love and everything, I right? Know. Wink, wink. Like Conspiracy theory. What if Chris is doing this because he wants more people to pay attention to him during the anthem, and then he starts standing next to Smallwood and Fletcher Cox. So he just wants more press for Long Cox, Long Smallwood, and all of the other guys. You know, if he's Take smart, if he's smart, he can line up himself. Fletch, uh, I'm sorry, from left to right, Jenkins. So you have your left arm on Jenkins, and then you got uh, Long in the middle, and then. Uh, you can go Cox, Smallwood, so, whatever. So, in that so, order, for, so it's a Jenkins, Jenkins, Long Cox. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Uh, I, yeah. I want to say hey. also, just from like the national perspective, I hope everyone's okay with us going down that little weird rabbit hole right there. Uh, the fact that Chris Long is also heavily featured on part of my take and Barstool is is a very interesting dynamic too. Uh, just because I find that to be a trending right younger demo. 
and uh, he is very, very popular in that sphere, uh, which I think is a lot bigger than, than people realize it is. And so that, too, for the national landscape should be interesting. I also just like having former Patriots on our team. Like, I really do. Like, I just, I know that they know what they're doing in the locker room. They can, they can look at all these Buffalo guys that we have on our roster and hopefully straighten them out. Uh, but LeGarrette and Chris Long and those guys. So, all right, I'm done. Yeah, I disagree with you on LeGarrette, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, really, let's, really, let's lighten it up. I have breaking Meek Mill news. Uh, rapper, I can't believe you have Meek Mill news. Yeah, hey, but I've been listening really lo- I'm really digging issues. I, I'm liking the album. Uh, oh, by the way, I listened to it the other day. Um, came up to a red light on 611 in, in Warrington. Rolling, uh, volume cranked on the new Meek. I'm in the right lane at a red light. Left lane pulls up uh, like kind of a, like a big old car, like a big cruiser type car. Gi- gigantic black man in the car. Me, in like a collared shirt, and Meek Mill blasting. He's got his windows down. So I did exactly as you guys had had said I should do. I turned. I looked left. Noticed that there was a strange dichotomy at our particular red light. Held the gaze. Nodded. Casually turned back, trying to, uh, you know, like clench my butthole for the awkwardness. And and pulled away and tried to beat the guy off the line. That was probably the hardest moment I've had this year. So, Adam, what kind of car do you think uh, Kyle drives? Because I know this, and I just want to know, like, I want to I know what your image of Kyle pulling up next to this guy would be. Okay. Uh, man, there was, there was so much loaded in that story, too. Thanks for, thanks for making race relations in, in uh, outside Philadelphia really a better place, Kyle. You really, you really struck a chord there. Well, no. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a strange dichotomy. I'm going to go... I'm gonna go with a Nissan Altima. Nope. Oh Ooh. no. That's okay, what I was. Hold on. Hold on. Give me. Give was... me a hint. Um, foreign. Foreign. Uh, not foreign. Not from Asia. Oh man. Uh. Okay. So, is it German made? Ja, natürlich. I don't know what the, he just said. Uh, I'm yes. gonna give up. I don't know what's the answer. Kyle. Dude, I'm, I'm not. I'm not uh, can I give the make? Can yeah, I, give I the don't make care. Up? I mean, it's just it's just weird. He's got he's got an Audi, and it's not Ooh. just like it's not like it's a a nineteen eighty two like bought an Audi at like some rundown dealership that's Yo, Ross, got like two hundred eighty on it. Like this is an immaculate car. Ross, I was. Why are you pocket watching right now? Huh? Why are you, why are you calling out another man's games? Well, because what I'm saying here is that I think as you're as you're kind of setting the stage of what Kyle sitting in this car looking over at this guy. There, there is a, uh, I think, a different level, uh, depending on the kind of ride that Kyle is rocking. Like if he has a '90s, a '96 Chevy Cavalier with like a different colored driver's side I'm door. I'm not gonna lie. Right away when Kyle was talking, I imagined him in a Civic. That was like the visual that I had in my head was like a red Honda Civic. So a nice Audi. Good for you, Kyle. I don't have a car, so that's great. I, I will say this in, in my defense. The sound system is really good. So Meek, you know, I feel like maybe I impressed the gentleman next to me with with how clear and crisp and deep and rich the bass was on. on but you did. You never said he reacted. You just said you turned and then you turned back. Well, yeah, I left that part. And you out, gave the nod, I don't right? Think he, so 
I honestly don't think he even noticed me, but in my head, yeah. it was it was a big it was a big office space moment. In your in head, head, in your head, you were the you were the Chris Long putting his arm over Malcolm Jenkins, man. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, I think we need you to get like either your phone mounted or a GoPro mounted that that kind of goes right out your window so that you can capture everybody's reaction to this as you do it. Like well, I you want, know, while this was happening, while I was, video. I was in there rapping along with Mr. Mill, and I wanted Mr. to. Mill. I was going to take video of doing it, but the phone is plugged. I got it on um, CarPlay, so the phone has to remain plugged in. So the minute you take the, even if you keep it plugged in and you turn the video on, it stops the music because it's coming through Mm. the phone. So, yeah, it's weird. As an employee of Bleacher Report, uh, the company that has started such crazes as um, the drive-by dunk challenge and bottle (laughs) flip, whatever it is. If you were to get video of you doing that, you could call it meeking or milling. You can't oh, call like it that. milling because milly rock is a thing, but you could call it meeking, and uh, which is just when you blast meek mill and then turn, nod, and look back, uh, and you could put that on your website. You I, I like it. I, I got to bring. I'll just bring an old phone with me so I can record it. There um, you go. But oh, anyway, meek mill, I... meek mill news. Oh, what's oh yeah, that's right. And what is he driving? R- rapper and Philadelphia native Meek Mill was arrested in New York City for driving recklessly through the streets on an ATV. Love it. And here's pictures of him on a on a yellow. I assume these are not file photos that on is a so yellow on a- brand. A- it yep. really is. I mean, it's uh, like here we go. Um, rapper Meek Mill arrested- Creed running in front of him. <laughs> One day after allegedly popping wheelies and generally driving recklessly in New York City in an area where community leaders have said their streets are overrun by off-road vehicles. I like it. He's keeping it hood, at least. Um, the 30-year-old rapper, whose real name is Robert Ramique Williams, was charged with being part of a group reported to be driving motorcycles and ATV recklessly Wednesday night in Inwood. 911 call, 8.30, p.m., were later made aware of a video on social media showing Meek doing wheelies on his dirt bike, which he was riding without a helmet as part of the group. Now, for as the as the the conservative thirty four year old father in this, whenever I see these guys, and including on seventy six coming home from a Phillies game, you'll occasionally go through a crowd of dirt bikers or whatever riding without a helmet, like got to be one of the stupidest things you could do. Like you're, there's like a 62% chance you're going to crack your head open. Like wear a helmet. I would actually I would be more in favor if they were all wearing helmets. I love that that's your take. That's awesome. It's dangerous. Can I, like can those I just wheelies ask a if they hit uh, a rock. Uh, um, <laughs> can I can I just ask you a question because I clearly did not grow up in this city. I've I've been very confused by this. Like I was confused when I watched the movie Creed and I saw that like the the off road vehicles being, you know, ridden in the city. Russ wants and to know why they weren't tipping cows. No, no, I just I don't get I don't get why somebody would be riding a quad. We called them quads. I don't know why anybody would be riding a, a quad through the streets of Philadelphia or through the streets of New York City. Like where I grew up, the only time. <laughs> People rode quads like up on the mountain because they were trying to avoid the cops coming back from a bush party. Like I, I don't know, I don't know why you would ever ride one of those on the streets. Russ, I don't it's get not it. up I'm to them confused. to explain it. Just accept it. Just I'm, just, I'm very confused. Yeah, just accept it. My dad had a dirt bike when he was living in like Alney. Uh, it's a, it's a thing. Uh, I'm looking at Ike Reese. <laughs> He's posting pictures for Eagles alumni night. And it's a really fun game because some of the guys, you can see their names. And you're like, oh, that's what Fred Barnett looks like now. 
But you look and there's one picture and he's got all these guys and there's like Trotter and there's Dawkins and you're like, you're feeling really good. And like Hollis Thomas, you're like, man, he is just so big right now. And then in one of the pictures in the back, I, I don't even need to know his nameplate. I go, Darwin Walker. Darwin Walker is oh, back there. Oh, man. Do you remember uh, me, and my, me and my friend Dan used to have a joke that uh, the uh, announcers, because Darwin Walker was an unexpected starter, they would always tell a story about him uh, when he would make a play. Do you guys remember what the announcers would always talk about Darwin Walker and why he had strong hands? Do you remember that story? I don't. All I remember no. about Darwin Walker is the racing stripes in his head. So Darwin Walker, they, the announcer would always go, oh, what a play there by Darwin Walker dragging down the quarterback. You know, he's got strong hands because he used to do construction with his father. Darwin Walker, man, a real salt-of-the-earth player. Second down, Cowboys, third and 12. But I mean, or second down and 12. Uh, but they always told the story. It was like seven games in a row. Me and my friend would die laughing because he. they always would have to tell that he did construction work, cement work with his hands. It was, I love when there's an unknown guy that they just blow out the story for like eight weeks in a row. Well, did you get the story? I forget the guy's name. The, the punt returner in the second half who was waiting tables in Charlottesville on Saturday and got a call from the Eagles. Stop. Reno Mahe? Reno What's that? Mahe. Which, which yeah, it's dude, it is so funny you mentioned that because when they when they showed him, I for some reason in my head I was thinking Reno Mahe was still returning punts for us. I don't know why. It's funny you was mentioned Was he wearing thirty four? Yeah, no. And uh didn't Reno got arrested for some sort of scam a couple of years what? ago, right? Really? I don't yeah, yeah. It. So Reno's Re- never done I'm, I'm looking this up right now. Oh yeah, you look it up while while so anyway, Adam, I don't know, do you get the local feed? Uh, I was well on Game Pass. It just depends on uh, which one they give you. And this week it's Philadelphia, so I actually got to listen to Mayock and Scott Graham. Um, so I actually got to listen to them. So I'll go back and actually listen to the audio on that. I usually third skip quarter returns. Okay, yeah, third quarter. Uh, and they he was so he's waiting tables in Charlottesville wow. on Saturday night. Gets wow. a phone call, has to go hide in a corner or the bathroom or the closet, um, you know, from his manager to try and call back this this Philadelphia area number. Finally gets a hold, and it's it's either his agent or the Eagles are calling him. Uh, his agent gave him his number, and uh, you know, said, "Hey, we we need you, we need you up in Philly." So he flew up, uh, you know, and started practicing on Monday, and he's in the game, but like literally nice. waiting tables. Uh, um, all right, here's your Reno Mahe update. I might be uh, wrong here. Reno Mahe actually he he was arrested. Um, I knew he was it. charged. He was originally charged with third degree theft because which is a fe- or third degree felony because he apparently had kept uh, filling up his car with gasoline from a construction company without paying. And oh, he ended that's up, whatever. He ended up. That's so the listen, benefit he, of, he accepted, that's a perk of the He job. accepted a deal. But then here, so before people like, and then this is really sad. Last I year know, in, know, in December, yeah, I didn't I didn't know this. Oh, in December, what? his his uh, three year old daughter passed away, okay. which is just terrible. So like from a window just... blind cord. That that god, no. that's awful. Yeah, yeah that's awful. That is, Yo, yep, when you have it. kids, does everything look scary to you? Yes. Oh yeah. No, well, yeah. yes. Not like that. I just get my my heart like rips out of my chest whenever I read something like that. Like I'm getting. Yeah. I'm getting like quasi emotional thinking about it. Like, it's All right, let me, let me we specifically it got blinds with only like two rooms in our house where he can't reach them, even have strength. Because of Reno Mahe? 
No, 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 no. I, the house, oh. our house was new, so we had to get all new blinds, and like we purposefully got like the rings where you have to reach up to the top and just grab it. Yeah. Because because of that. See fear. that? See that, Adam? He's got an Audi. He's got a brand new house. I mean, this guy. He's he's rolling. Kyle's loving dope. man. Ad sales. Google AdSense. Holler at it. Uh, I have a few other takes on the Eagles, and then I want to get to Kyle doing some Twitter questions. Then we'll kind of wrap up. Uh, I want to say that I'm really excited that Michael Kendricks looks like a player. Uh, that he was two, three years ago. Uh, and if that ends up being a, a thing, all of a sudden the linebacking core with Hicks and him and Bradham, granted they lose anybody, they do have Najee good. I hope I hope that Kendricks, though, keeps playing at that level. Uh, Marcus Johnson, all that camp height, looked really nice on that play last night where he ran for like 40 yards. I thought Nelson Aguilar looked really good. Um, and and he kind of looked good in that third role. I don't want to get too far ahead of it. Um, but the other thing, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about Pumphrey uh, returning punts, just because we were talking about Reno Mahe. Uh, or existing just, on the team. Yeah, I don't I don't really see the burst. Um, I I see the shiftiness, and he he can make guys miss, but I don't see him separating from people. And that's just like as an athlete, I kind of go, ooh, I, I, I would like more there. Um, but I did enjoy on the touchdown run by Clement, if you guys watch the highlight again, watch Chance Warmack go like six yards deep with his guy and then push him. Like that was a really good play. And, and Warmack, I think, is going to be one of those guys that is a valuable backup uh, that gets some spot duty. But uh, overall, I thought the Eagles game was good, and uh, I'm ready for some Twitter questions because I know Kyle's excited about a few of them. Yeah, on Pumphrey, the other thing, he's uh, really small, and there was one play where he was he was assigned to block, and the line he was he was right next to whoever that third third string quarterback was last night. I forget his name, um, and the lineman essentially just went through him, like threw him to the quarterback. Um, so I, there were, I don't think there was like one redeeming thing we saw from Pumphrey last night, which is not a great sign for a guy who had to have a good second half to impress the coaches and didn't, did not do that. Yeah. Um, he's, he's one of those guys. It's a good story. I just don't know if, if he's valuable enough to warrant a spot right now. He's such a good name too. He's such a speedy name. Like I want to use Pumphrey on pump returns so bad in Madden. Like he just sounds like he would have a high speed rating yeah. in Madden. And I know draft people love him. Like draft yeah, yeah. Twitter loves them. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see some questions here. Uh, a, a lot are Eagles related. Let me see if we can get to one. Oh, oh, wait. Here, I I will give this one to you, Adam. This is from Trip McNeely, G underscore Black Seventeen. How the f is McGloin an NFL quarterback? I I would. Are, are you willing to die on the hill today? Uh, I I I'm just gonna say that it's really hard to evaluate any offensive member when all of the backup offensive linemen are in. Uh, he definitely had some throws on that first series that were trash, like really bad decisions and like oh, under through one and then through one into like kind of a, of an area that, that he shouldn't have. I thought on his second drive, which I think is where the Marcus Johnson catch happened. Uh, he looked really good. He had a few good out routes. Um, I also think that like, Carson looking shaky on the first drive and that red zone trip combined with Matt McGloin's first drive. I I think Doug needs to get a better job of getting his quarterback settled into games, whether that's a first down screen pass 
uh, kind of a, a, a two yard, five yard out right away. Um, like Carson Wentz didn't really throw the ball like early on in McGloin. They just, they, they, he was under like a, a all out blitz, but I will say, I will, I, I think many people don't even know what we're talking about. Me and Kyle argued about Matt McGloin uh, and it got so heated that we couldn't even air it. Um, I, <laughs> it I will not. It so ridiculous when you put it It does that sound way. so ridiculous. I, yeah, um, imagine being the one sitting here listening to it as an yeah. addict. Yeah. Like, I, I want people to realize this. Like, I had someone tweet at me and be like, Adam, you seem to, like, be willing to change your opinions. I am not a hard hot take person like i am not a like i'm not like a skip bayless argue against lebron for 10 years person i love to be proven wrong uh and i also like to be right um i just think i'm very i like to be flexible with that i think that matt mcgloin is a good backup in this league i don't think he's a tony romo backing up dak um i think he is just a serviceable guy that that kind of gives you reps but, um, yeah, that first drive is really bad, but I thought he got better as it went on. But Nick Foles is the backup, and Nick Foles is a good, good backup. Yeah, I would agree is with he, you there. Is uh, Matt McGloin more of a Coy Detmer or an A.J. Feely in your mind? Man, well, I would go. it's so funny because A.J. was like, that that play that game against Atlanta, he was amazing. That, that, that was the game that convinced the Dolphins to give us a second-round pick, uh, at, which was fucking incredible. And then Coy Detmer, though, that San Francisco game, if you guys remember that on Monday night, Brian Mitchell returned a punt return to the house. But Coy Detmer was amazing, and then he got hurt. Then he broke Coy, his arm. Yeah, Coy has such a special place in my heart and everyone's heart. From the, store, from the neck beard, which was disgusting, uh, from the fact that he only packed toothbrushes on road trips, I always loved. Um, and he was always the quarterback that when like everyone just shit on Donovan because I don't know, I don't like Donovan either. Uh, Coy was always that guy that you were like, man, I, I really wish Coy was really good because I'd like him to be the quarterback. Um, I know you weren't on Twitter last night. Uh, I, McGloin was not only getting the, the wrath of Eagles Twitter, but he got the Jimmy Kemsky drawing treatment uh jimmy drew him throwing a rainbow and les bowen i think i think it was less of all people tweeted a picture of balloons and said these are mcgloin's last few throws i appreciated the uh the graphical humor from the beat guys and i think Especially that uh, a former philly track star ruben frank also tweeted <laughs> something about uh the eagle step chart of uh of being wentz Foles, then like two college quarterbacks then like some random name and then yeah kyle McGloin. i'd like to i'd like to ask uh russ clearly gave you that picture why did was were you being tongue-in-cheek with the tipster line no russ russ you said uh russ had said to me hey like just remove the identifying marks this is from a buddy i don't know if he wants like his facebook name i guess was like on the bottom of the comments oh, I, but i thought i would have just said okay this is from russ yeah, I, 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 there was, there wasn't a whole lot of thinking into that. I just remember Russ saying, "Hey, avoid the remove the marks." So I figured, all right, I'll just call it an anonymous. Can tip. we talk about Ruben Frank's hair? It was incredible. Majestic. <laughs> I don't even know what that Blowing haircut locks. is, but it's like it's like nineteen eighties drummer hair. It's it, it seems like a lot of people in the eighties had like Lego or Playmobil hair. Where it just looks like you could like just remove the whole piece and put it back on, like all the pieces are just sort of glued together. I'm very. I didn't know impressed. that Ruben Frank and Anthony Gargano were the same age. Was that was that from, was that like an, an event, like a media event, or was that actually then when they were younger? So it, I think that's you know, when they were younger. 
I think it was then when they were younger. I wrote high school. Someone said that the Penn Relays used to do a media event. Um, so potentially, yeah, that, I, this I was have from a hard that. time believing they're the same age. Yeah, and I have like I do too. But I, a quick search, like I think Argano graduated high school in like '86 or '87. I want to say. Holy I'd have crap. to double check. I wouldn't be surprised if Ruben is the same age. He looks like he has um, aged aggressively. We'll say. I was um, born in '86. That's I can't believe Gargano's that old. I could be. I could. That was just my like very. I didn't really try and do a lot of background on this. I just wanted to post the picture. Um, I will say that I discovered that Anthony Gargano, and this isn't surprising, but I think he went to high school in Haddonfield. So, like, every time you hear someone say that the South Philly shtick is a little overblown, I would say going to high school in Haddonfield would would uh, overblow where is, your South Philly Where is Philly Haddonfield? Stick. It's like a nice suburb in New Jersey. Yo, Russ <laughs> got so angry at me about Hershey Park online this week that it was like— Yeah, hold on. We it need, was egregious. We need... We need to have a moment because this is a Friday episode. It gets weird. It gets long because, uh, you know, long weekend, whatever. Um, long cocks. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> great. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter that I, Adam asked me to break down a, a video of him and uh, and Sims. I don't know if you've heard about this, Kyle. They have a podcast called uh, Sims and Lefko. Yeah, uh, I forgot to Bleacher drink Report. on Bleacher Report before. Let me... uh, I said <sighs> I did say it before. Um, oh man, the coffee slurp for everyone to enjoy. That was that was that was oh that was water. you. Oh, okay. That was um, so, Adam, I got to ask you really quick. Why does Sims do the top button? I, first of all, I don't like the top button look when you, <laughs> when you button all the way up. And then he rolls up the sleeves as well, which I think is a terrible look. Like, if you're going to do it, have the sleeves down, do the top he, button. Uh, but other, it looks like – that is a that is Russ, bad look. Russ, I'll uh, bring you – if you ever come up to New York and we can walk around the neighborhoods, it's a very trendy look to have the top button buttoned. I felt like he looked kind of like that one guy. Do you remember the, um, Extreme Makeover Home Im- Home Improvement, where like no, there was the one guy who was the designer? Uh, all right, well, never mind. Anyway, it, Hershey it, Park. Yeah, so I the family and I we went up we went up to where I grew up to go visit my grandmother, and then and it was my one another buddy's birthday, and then I was like, yo, let's go to let's go to Chocolate World because we don't want to go to Hershey Park. The kids are too little; it's too expensive to get in. But Chocolate World's free, and after you ride the ride, you get a free piece of candy. So we went to Chocolate World, and I said to Adam, "Hey, you know, like I'll I'll do your video breakdown, but I, you know, I need to I have to get back from Chocolate World first. And I was like, oh, "What what the heck is Chocolate World, man?" And then like Twitter just went off on Adam. Is that and, my Twitter and, voice when you read yeah. my tweets? Is that how you think I sound? Yeah, I, I read them like you're constipated. What the yeah. heck, what the heck, man? What the heck, man? <laughs> Yo, this is uh, at Adam Levko. Uh, yeah, I'm divorced, and I can't shit. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, wait, yeah like, so chocolate world chocolate world's awesome man like i i say it's i think i like went to hershey park yeah i think i went to hershey park like one time when i was a kid uh See, i didn't I realize how ch- chocolate world i don't know to what chocolate me, that world just is sounds either. like i i didn't realize yes! how much of a hike it is from here see i i i just have no concept chocolate of, world of also sounds like a club in atlanta <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate World's is, awesome though I because have they, no have, doubt. they have so many. There are so many variations of, of Reese's peanut butter cups. It it is my God, it's it's incredible. I, but I you have guys, no doubt you guys, that Michael guys, Vick. Never mind. Has yeah, had a party. Well, no, he's. I'm pretty sure he's had a party at every Atlanta club at like every Saturday night. He is the guest of honor at a club. Oh shit! Yeah, ten, ten G's show up. Ten G's. It's a good thing yeah, when you're a celebrity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's Chocolate World. Um, I, you guys are like, it's like Epcot. And I was like, dude, Epcot sucks. 
I love Epcot. You're in, love, you're, I like Epcot. You're don't hate Epcot. I also cool. been, the only so... time I was at Epcot when I was when I was 15, so I wasn't drinking at all the different worldly spots. But yeah, there you go. See? Yeah, Russ was very upset that I didn't know what Chocolate World was, chocolate and world. then like, I don't know what it is. All either. of his and then all so of his you're, coal miner you're just friends. Guilty. Yeah, all of his coal miner friends were like, "Well, now see, you you need to come down to Chocolate World, and this is this is the good stuff here at Chocolate World. You are gonna appreciate it." And like, they, and I was like, I was like, "Sir, can you please turn the light off on your helmet, and then and then we can talk." So, you, so okay, coal region is somehow like this weird like wormhole into like southern Georgia. Is that what I'm hearing? It's right behind the field where we where we drink our moonshine. Come on and grab one of these. It's not West Virginia. Come on, gra- is- grab oh. one of these Hershey kisses. No, I only kissed my sister, but tonight I'll give you one too. And I and I no, Hershey go kisses me back to the west for that. I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was terrible. That was the worst dad joke. <laughs> that I've had that more that morphs into that George W. Bush at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what has happened? All right, Twitter questions. Uh, yeah. So. Wow. Um, See, this is why I'm here. Just to, I literally in the last five minutes, my segues have been uh, Hershey Park and Twitter questions. This is this is professional stuff right here. You've got some great segues. You know what? You are like the founder of the segue. You got so close to the edge that you fell off and died. Uh, Jeremy Blevins wants to know if you're ever bringing on Sims for a guest appearance. Uh, he ain't coming on at this time. But if we wanted to do like an interview like later, uh, like at a different time, I'm sure we could figure something out. Or I could just, I'm thinking just like practically, if you guys gave me questions about an Eagles game when I'm sitting there, I could just do it and then we could play the audio if that's something that we think our listeners would be interested in. Like yeah, if we think-, think that's providing value. And you That'd can ask him about the top button, which I happen to like the top button look. I can't wear You're, it, but uh, I don't no. mind it. No. Russ is just upset he didn't come to sleep. I am so upset. <laughs> I am so upset with the top button. I know. We I get a don't. comment. Every time we do a live stream, one person comments, Sims, unbutton your top button. So now I know that there's real upset uh, feelings. It really looks like he's supposed to be an interior designer. Like if you muted that video that we were watching – it legitimately, I'm like, I'm expecting him to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking that we put in uh, just like one row of uppers here just to, you know, really open things up and provide some cabinet space. Because, you know, buyers in this uh, in this area really like that. That's Russ what thinks I everybody from New York talks talks like that. That's good. Yeah, Russ's New York voice is very similar to our Pottsville, vo- Pottsville voice. Um, couple, I, there's a couple guys I want to address here. So we get John P., uh, people coming at me here. John P., how is the podcast going? Is it making up for the poor content on the site? Adam B. 01991, who trolls us, who like has a UPenn Twitter avatar and trolls us that we're no longer in like the top 100 on iTunes. He says, ahead of your podcast in iTunes sports category, Dive Film HD Video, Art of Wrestling, Hunt Talk Radio, The Rich Outdoors, Wire, Wire to Hunt, this motherfucker. Uh, and then another guy said... Uh, something is the podcast going to make up for your lack of content. I can't find that particular tweet. First of all, this this guy who trolls us over the things. Yeah, we no fucking shit. We know that the ratings are based on an algorithm that is based on growth and not total listens because we are nowhere near part of my take. And yet we were too like 
eight, six spots behind them in the rankings. We get that. However, we were quite proud of the fact that we made it up to number nine in iTunes. There's a lot of new podcasts, and most of them never even sniffed the top 100, let alone the top 10. So that was a very good moment for us with a month-old podcast podcast in the middle of the offseason. So we get it. Thank you. You're not that smart, uh, despite the pen logo and your avatar. He also trolls He's me. Very, about- you're upset. He, well, he continuously trolls me about the site. Oh, your site's dying. This other guy, how come there's nothing on the site? So all I want to say is that everyone who keeps asking that, and I know it has been super slow and two posts per day for like a month now, uh, I, I promise you once football season starts, that will change. Working on some really cool things, like I'm purposefully taking the middle of the slow-ass summer to work on those things because if I did it during the middle of the Eagle season, the site would literally die. So just bear with me. Give it a couple of more weeks, and I promise you, once all the seasons start, it will be a renewed and much better and much more frequently updated website. Just bear with me. Please stop tweeting me. A guy emailed me last night. He's like, I'm done reading you. I saw a video of Ben Simmons and Drake playing basketball, and I went to your site expecting your commentary on it, and I didn't get it. I'm almost done reading. I've been with the site forever. I'm like, dude, give me a couple weeks. So I'm a little frustrated at that pushback. You are that that is uh that was a lot, man. You really had to get that off your chest. Do you have to point out since I, I pointed out that guy Platterpuss, I don't think he's tweeted at you once. That maybe he's sucks. uh maybe he's maybe he's switched it up a little bit. That he sucks. also changed his Twitter avatar, I noticed, uh on his last comment, so that's good for him. Um any other really exciting questions? I had a uh, few over here. Uh, I, oh ahead. hold on. I have to I have to bring this up really quick. There were people who brought this to my attention. I, I intentionally did not bring it up because I knew it would get at least one of you angry. Uh, J.D. Power ranked the fan experience for every Philadelphia team. The winning team and stadium was the Philadelphia Union and Talent Energy Stadium. Last place were the Philadelphia Eagles and Lincoln Financial Field. I agree Here are the with criteria the because because uh, I, I, I actually do too. Um this is how they describe the process. Fan satisfaction, there's seven factors, seating area, game experience, security and ushers, leaving the game, arriving at the game, food and beverage, ticket purchase, souvenirs, and merchandise. So the Union one, that's great. Talon Energy Stadium actually is a, a very nice stadium. It's, it is it is a very good experience. The product on the field is, is awful. We've talked about this. Um, I do, I do kind of want to question their leaving and arriving at the game. You either have to... Like you have to drive through a part of Chester to get to the stadium. I don't know. How, and the cattle shoot how... to get into one of the parking lots. Yeah, it that that is a nightmare to get out of. Um, and and it's funny because usually if you're leaving from like the Sons of Ben lot or the C lot, uh, they actually do route you straight through Chester. Uh, so it is interesting to me that they still won despite that. Um, what would your what would your other ranking be? So if we agree that the Eagles are the worst, no, seriously, like if the Eagles are the worst one, then where do you rank the others? Like is Citizens Bank Park to you the best one? Do they have? I like I like Citizens Bank Park a lot. I'm not a big Wells Fargo Center fan. I don't really think that the. I guess I would say that like presentation wise, I think the Sixers do a better job than the Flyers do. But I probably put Citizens Bank Park as either one or two on that list. Your thoughts? Um. I will. Yeah, I'll go with Citizens Bank Park. I think I, I've noticed lately. I mean, that ballpark has aged in a hurry. The, it's only 13 years old, and it's like they have not put a fresh coat of paint anywhere. It, walk around Citizens Bank Park and just look at like the poles and the like. 
it looks older than it should. I would say that's concerning, and I would say I've there's been noticeable quality issues um, over the last few years, and I've had conversations with people from from Aramark and vendors about this, and it, so it's not just me riffing on it. Like there are some concerns about like we like food quality stuff and just like like general um, quality assurance. However, I, I will say, like on a when the Phillies are halfway decent, it's tough to beat a Citizens Bank experience. There are Citizens Bank parks. There's a ton of good food options. The sight lines. It's a great ballpark. So I would go with that. I think the Wells Fargo Center sucks, and it's a phone book. However, uh, the Sixers, uh, especially now, are really poised to become number two there. They've done a nice job of even going back to the Adam Aaron years, and some of those things have stuck around with the lighting and the court and the atmosphere. I think Sixers will be an easy two. Flyers. 3D projection on the on the floor. Yeah, yeah. The, the Flyers don't. I don't like their. I I don't like Flyers games at the Wells Fargo Center at all. I mean, and there's nothing we could do about that. It's just it is. It's a phone book. The stop. Like I hate the the. I mean, as much as I like the ice girls, I hate the notion of scraping the ice during every timeout. Like it just feels like a hockey game is so slow and there's so many distractions at a flyers game like everything is competing for your attention with the game on the ice and it's to the point it's like it's too much uh but the eagles are the eagles the food sucks there it's just you're just going to watch a football game the stadium's fine someone ripped the stadium last week and uh i forget if it was a national article or a podcast i was listening to oh no it was drew mcgarry he's like it's the worst place in the in the uh in the league to watch a football game and i know it was in his sucks column i really i really don't like that that stadium it's, i might actually side with him i i don't like the link at all i, feel I don't like, like the inside I, I think the sight lines like when you're sitting and watching a game i actually think the sight lines are quite good and the atmosphere is good but everything else about it sucks i agree that the sight lines are good i don't feel like that place gets all that I, i've been to an eagles cowboys game there and i had to sit up in the the upper levels my uncle has season tickets and i never felt like the the atmosphere got that raucous or loud i i think it's just because of the open nature of it it's not a bowl but like Seattle, Qualcom—is it still Qualcomm or is it Century Link or whatever it is now? That place gets loud. I, I there's just something about the link that I feel like is not a home field advantage. That's just my opinion. I, I I don't really like it all that much. It feels just way too much like a like a weird metal concrete kind of prison to me. <laughs> Let's go. It's totally right there. Is, is uh, totally quiet. I got nothing. This. I don't know what to say. I just yeah. I don't. I haven't really been to a lot of the games there. I went to an Eagles preseason game two years ago, and it was okay. Uh, tailgates are fun. Yeah, did they, did uh, JD Power rank tailgates? That I don't think was part of it. Mm. They there were like other factors that people had asked about that. Um, I'm I'll, I'll look for it. I, Kyle, you that got was definitely Twitter not one of the us? criteria. Uh, I don't think that I do. Oh come you. on, man! I've got. I even have Twitter questions. All right, Russ, what? ask. You get one, Russ. Well, I'll make sure it's not a bad one. So they're all Eagles related. Should... I do, but they're, so, we kind of hit a wall. Okay. Somebody had asked. There, there are two things. One is a Flyers one, and one is a Phillies one. Um, the Flyers one was any. It was. This is from Greg Schaefer at Mighty Kites Nine. Said, any early expectations on what could be a uh, a crap show of a mismanagement with Hack and his two question mark goaltenders. I will tell you that after diving more and more into Flyers Twitter, Flyers podcast, that this situation is just a mess. Neuwirth and Elliot as a as a tandem, I think, are going to be an unmitigated disaster. It was avoidable. And the fact that they have a few goalies in the minors that they could 
you know, make a backup or they could actually, you know, give time to that they refuse to. Um, it's just going to kind of, we, we are going to get even angrier, I think, with this tandem of, of Elliot and Neuvirth than we did with uh, Neuvirth and, and um, Mason. It's it just sort mine. of, it's remarkable to me that the Flyers, it's like they invent new ways to go into a season without a starting goalie. Like it, at this, it's almost hard to be as consistently mediocre at the goaltending spot as the Flyers have been. Like even by accident, once you should stumble on a guy who's like your starter for five years. Like they cannot do it. They tried so they... hard with Steve Mason, and like he just wasn't consistent at all, or even that. And remember, they missed out on Ben Bishop that one year. They were trying to get him at the deadline, and they weren't willing to to meet the asking price. I mean, and, it's just and like... that that clearly has not worked out for them. Yeah, like I don't even know the what other... was available, but like it's just it's just remarkable. Like here we go again, like another fly, and not that it matters, they're not a cup contender, but like just another season where we're going in and we're gonna have a, a platoon situation at goalie. Like just get somebody, like just which somebody. again is why I, this is again is why I say like they have young guys in the minors that they've talked about for years. Stolarz is actually in in some circles, it's believed that he's been passed by another. Uh, goalie in the minors like at, at some point he's got to come up and and prove whether he can do it or not here's the other question um at b harahan asked and this is very clearly uh against me and my tommy joseph point said should galvis be moved to the pen so we can see jp crawford at shortstop <laughs> i want to expand this a little bit um i do think that we're at a, a point now where there are some I, I think we've reached a point with michael franco where i wouldn't be upset to see galvis or even um, Cesar Hernandez move over to th- to third. I know this is my my solution for everything. Jesus that we should Christ. have. I, I think Galvis. I think could Cesar play Hernandez can throw the no, ball listen, from third to first. I think I think Galvis could. So I think if Galvis moved over to third and you call what and you called up J.P. Crawford, or um, you've got Scott Kingery now tearing up AAA. Uh, he went two for five last night. He's hitting three hundred since he's been promoted to AAA. Um, it's something I, I would like to see them explore for next year. I, I do think at some point Cesar Hernandez is going to either probably move to the outfield if Kingery is a real deal. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with some of this infield um, depth they have to see who does eventually get moved to the outfield because eventually it has to happen. You can't have two or three guys just being utility utility players. Like I, I don't see it. Russ, I just don't like. You just can't move guys to third. I get. I appreciate what you're. I trying do think to Galvis. Do. I think Galvis could move to third. But he's he's a plus. He's a very good defensive shortstop. That is such. And J- they say J P Crawford is too. So I I don't. Right, or, yeah, like I don't. I don't think you're losing. You don't any, take your best defensive player and move him out of his position. I know you're not like trying to win games, but like at a certain, you have to put like a respectable product on the field. Like. You can't just move, hey, hey, he's not our long-term guy there. We're going to stick him at, we're going to put him in the bullpen. Like, you can't do that. I appreciate well, that you're trying to get these guys the playing time, but there are, like, some conventions they have to stick by here. You don't take your best fielder and take him out of his position. Like, again, that's why that's why Hoskins is in left field. You can stick a guy in left field and not get him hurt and not cost the team too much, and you can still get him at bats. Like, done. So you're on the record as saying that Galvis could not play third base? I honestly don't know if Galvis could play third base, but I, I, I don't like he's a he's a plus shortstop. Don't there's no reason to move him out of shortstop. Like he still has a career ahead of him. He's probably not going to be too happy if you yank him out of shortstop, even if he's not here for the long term. Like he does not want to be he does not want to be a third baseman, nor should he be. If their goal next year is to have J.P. Crawford out, and the only way to have J.P. Crawford on the team is for him to play short and for Galvis to play third, are you good? 
or you're not. I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't know if if Galvis okay. has ever played third in his life. If he has, yeah. then fine. But if he has not, then no. Do not do not put him at third base. That's Pretty much the rust fix for any Phillies. Uh, any Phillies. Yeah, just throw him at the hardest spot on the field. Yeah, good, put him at third. Good plan. Yep. Yep. Adam? And then you can move Michael Fonko to first. That'd be fine, right? This week's Crossing Broadcast is brought to you by (laughs) Turtlenecks. When you're kind of old, but you want to go to a party, and you want to be formal, but not too formal, Turtlenecks. It's the great clothes for your face. Um, Is that everything, guys? That's that's it. I think maybe we should wrap there. Uh, We should tell people next week, uh, and I said this on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, tell them. We will will take our first full vacation week, much to the chagrin of Russell Joy. Um, Adam is you are going, I'm upset. You are going to Texas for a bachelor party of the latter half of the week, Wednesday. And oh Friday. my God. And there, there, it's so planned out. I'm so excited. There's knocker ball. So divorce on Monday, next Monday. Oh, there's, there's barbecue. There's knocker ball. There's the McGregor Mayweather fight. Oh my nice. God. What the hell is knocker ball? Knocker balls. When you get into those huge, big blow up things and you run into each other. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I wow. destroyed people last year. Like I literally, like I was, I just killed people. It was great. Did, did he? Did I this to... gentleman get married l- last year as well? Uh, no, it was another member of a group that I grew up in within Bucks County, and uh, I guess we had so much fun in Austin doing the lake thing and all that stuff that he wants to have his there too. So now it's becoming a a yearly thing where someone gets married and we go to Austin. You know what that means for I, next year. I'm a... Yeah, it means that someone else is going to have to get married. It means you're up. Oof. Yeah. No, there's there's about there's about nine right. other guys. <laughs> Damn. I'm especially upset because I had the uh, the audio intro uh, planned for the next two Monday episodes following Game of Thrones, and so now I'm I'm a little bit bummed. That's all I'm going to say, because I had the perfect song for uh, for following this Sunday's episode. Yeah, I think uh, I could have done Monday. I could have done Monday. Maybe can, we should do Monday. I am I'm down. You guys, if you guys figure out how to edit it, I'll give you the password to post it. No, um, I'm done. <laughs> I'll edit it. It's not. Um, I can't imagine it's uh, it's all that bad. I will be down the shore. We're in a rental. I don't know what the recording and or the rental Wi-Fi. I'm I'm already like getting agita over. Um, so I don't yeah, know so how it would itself to podcasting. Yeah, we're taking a leak off. We'll be back the following week and just in time for football season. So, um, I'm sure I'll get plenty. We'll get plenty of tweets about it. But uh. We thank you for your patience. We will, uh, we will be back uh, stronger and better than ever. And and yeah, we Anthony can all Gargano sleep till take... seven a.m. for the first time in in six months. If Gargano gets to take two weeks off from the morning show, which apparently Harry Mays and Aton Chander are now holding down at the Fanatic, why can't we have one week? That's right. That's right. Hey now. All right. We appreciate you guys very much. If you leave a five star iTunes review, we'll make sure and read that on the next episode. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed our hashtag content. Enjoy your weekend, Kyle. Enjoy the shore. Russ, don't get black lung in the coal mines. Uh, we will see. Sorry. We will see you, you guys just... later. Love Bye. you. Ding, Bye. Ding, 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 ding.